podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another video and podcast from fantasyfootballscout.co.uk. My name is David and as ever for UCL Fantasy content I am joined by Aaron as we prepare for the final match of the Champions League group stages for the 2023-24 season. It is usually the most exciting time in UCL fantasy um, because there's so many different teams to choose from. Um, Unfortunately, the worst teams in the competition are about to leave uh, and it's going to become much harder to uh, to you know pick players in the next uh, rounds. So does it feel like something of a farewell going into match day six, Aaron? What are your thoughts and feelings as we head into the uh, yeah the final round of the group stages? This is everybody's most dreaded match day. <laughs> uh, this is normally where you'll have like a normal score. A lot of people will have a kind of like I guess recent weeks in FPL is the best way to describe this where. The scores are just horrible. <laughs> the assets that you think we're going to do well don't, and or they get rested. So, um, yeah, it's just so unpredictable. Match day six, terrible scores. Um, it historically, but the people who do well in match day six have really, really good scores because they have such a big advantage over everybody else. In a way, it kind of feels like last day of term uh, in the sense that who knows what's going to happen. You know, all rhyme and reason goes out the window, um, especially if it's a bunch of year 13s leaving. Maybe they'll start pranking the teachers, by which we mean managers will start rotating assets, things like that. Um, everything you think you know goes out the window, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think the, I, I guess the biggest thing is that this, we're going to say goodbye to, to 16 teams. Uh, so in terms of like, fantasy it makes it easier to to start to focus on certain players they're not as spread thin that it is a bad thing in terms of the team start to mold to the to look the same um but round of 16 has always some really really big scores but unfortunately we do have to say goodbye to some assets this is the last time you'll get to use them so just embrace the chaos (laughs) if you like a player just get them in, enjoy them while you have them before they go in Europa <laughs> League or out the competition. Mm. Well, as we are um, in, in this final round of, of the group stages, we're obviously going to talk about how you got on in match day five, what your plans are for match day six, uh, and look at some of the key matches to uh, target. But before we have a look at that, I thought I'd just ask you how you feel the Champions League has gone so far this season in you know a case of... Has it gone as you expected? Has it been, uh, you know, an enjoyable run for UCL Fantasy so far? Um, any any shock surprises? Anything you weren't expecting? Yeah, what's your thoughts and feelings so far on how it's been? Um, well, in our podcast, we ended up doing like a group prediction and stuff like that, and there were there were a few groups that we've we've called exactly, but there's been others that have have thrown up a lot of surprises either teams not performing or um just teams overperforming i think group a is a perfect example where man united are last at the currently and um copenhagen they they're playing amazing compared to previous years like it really shows that that investment that they've gotten because of champions league um the standard of coaching i think they're a really difficult team to break down galatasaray like they are 
they're pretty much were always a finish third, <laughs> get Europa League, but make the appearance, like get the appearance money. But I think both of them have, have played really, really well. And then Man United, we obviously we all know what's happening with them. And then you get Bayern Munich, who we we got what we expected. So Group A, I feel like, has it all in terms of a reflection of the entire Champions League, where some teams have performed as you would expect. Some bigger names haven't, but some there's been some other pleasant like performances from some teams that you just thought were going to be rollovers, except Antwerp, <laughs> but this time. <laughs> So with those with those changing dynamics of, of European football, which is always really nice to see when there's a sort of transition from I don't want to say an old guard, but yeah, there was a time, especially when I was growing up, when you could usually predict a Champions League group, um, you know, without too much thought, uh, because you just had a lot of elite level teams and some other teams that were sort of, I guess, coming to the table. Uh, it's not really quite as simple as that anymore. The quality of European football just continues to rise, which is really nice to see. What impact does that have on the FPL climate? Because obviously, in sorry, not FPL, sorry, the UCL fantasy climate. <laughs> Freudian slip there. But I mean, you know, we have seen it in FPL where the changing circumstances of the Premier League uh, have, you know, put us in a situation where we used to have, you know, everybody just had three forwards. Uh, you know, you had your Roonies, your Ronaldos and your Drogbas. And, you know, the pricing structure was kind of dictated around how teams played their football. Um, and, and now, of course, you know, we've gone through a wing back era and we've gone through an era of sort of inside forwards who are classified as midfielders and a lot of people are 3-5-2 now. So that, um, yeah, just the way that the Champions League is evolving and the way that some of those other teams you've mentioned there are progressing. Does that make UCL fantasy um, more exciting? Does it make it more difficult? Does it make it harder to, to find the differentials? Or are there simply more differentials that other people overlook just because of preconceptions, but people with their ears to the ground maybe have more of an idea of who the up-and-coming players are. I imagine there's lots of different considerations. I think it's a, that's a really interesting question. I think the things that came to my mind was there's a lot of players who um, are either heavily linked with Premier League uh, players or um, that we're aware of. Like A lot of these names are becoming more... Um, household either because I mean you could look wider and you could be like oh ultimate team on FIFA like I recognize like that player like uh, he's got a good rating so when I see him on fantasy I'm like oh yeah he's a good rating I I want him because even though I've never seen him play but he must be good (laughs) Um, so you could go a bit wider than that but I think as well like there's a lot of obviously jobs are very I guess there's a like kind of like a merry-go-round of managers and players where maybe like a mid-table Premier League team will buy a player and the the team didn't hit the target that they were meant to. They then go to a team in Europe uh, for a lot cheaper because they don't have that kind of money, but they perform well. And so we'll recognize a few players. And um, I think from UCL Fantasy, from that perspective, because it is so many players, like 32 teams, like... That it is a lot for a fantasy game to try and figure out which are the best assets, um, and so that that kind of familiarity that you have with some of the names from like who go deep into this competition, but then also the ones that you just happen you're like oh there's no Premier League on but there's a Bundesliga match I'll just sit and watch this, um. I, I, it's kind of you, you start to recognize these players and so when it comes to like euros or world cup 
I think it helps out as well because one, you look great in front of your friends being like, oh yeah, he's a good player here. Um, <laughs> but then also like, it, it just gets you more invested in the overall tournament. Like if it wasn't for UCL fantasy, I probably wouldn't care about half these matches. Um, but I'm actually like invested in a ton of these teams now. So it's, re- it's just help kind of helps overall, like enhance the, the football performance. You get attached to a few of these teams. Hmm. Well, yeah, if you thought it was um, in FPL, when you get attached to watching West Brom v Burnley, well, play UCL fantasy and get attached to, I don't know. I'm just going to pluck two names. I've had Copenhagen, well, Copenhagen versus Galatasaray or something like that. Um, I'd have no cause to be interested in that unless I had some fantasy assets in it for sure. So as you say, Bottom line, it just helps enhance your enjoyment of, uh, well, the biggest uh, club competition in the world. I, I think I can say that without too much hate in the comments. Um, mm. I'm, sh- I'm sure if Journey Infantino might turn, turn up and be like, excuse me, what about the Club World Cup? Well, okay, that's that's for that's for another day. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, and I think yeah. it's, it is it is a bittersweet moment because obviously this is the, the last group stage match of the Champions League. Um, like, well, in its current format. Because hmm. there'll be groups next year, but it's it's going to be totally different. It's a league format, so um, this is kind of like the end of of this like keystone part of of the tournament. Because uh, the groups are all going to change as well, so it just adds to the madness. To mm-hmm. be honest, hmm. yeah, very much last day of term in every real sense. I mean, when I mean, when you say it like that. It's just, I mean, in a way, it's kind of like for the people watching this video, we're probably either in our twenties or our thirties, and so we, this is all we know of the of European club football. Um, you know, the format that it was sort of way back. You know, the pre Champions League era is more the sort of thing that um, perhaps our parents or that the generation between our parents and us really remember. Or like, I can't remember a time before this format of the Champions League. So. Um, as you say, it is a bit of a cornerstone of our football society. So, um, yeah, hopefully people get good scores out of it um, as we uh, yeah we bid farewell to it and be interesting to see what the game is like next year in this particular stage uh, of the tournament. Now, before we get on to how Aaron got on in match day five and what his plans are for match day six, a few uh, plugs uh, as ever. Um, you will, of course, uh, obviously got a hint there that Aaron uh, does know quite a lot about European football and there's a reason for that. That is, of course, because he and his, uh, his podcast partner, Dan run the um, UCL Fantasy Pod. I have this every week. We do these. The Fantasy UCL Pod is the Fantasy Football Community podcast, which features Dan from UCL Fantasy Pod as a guest <laughs> alongside Louis, uh, Lewis, and uh, and Ed. Uh, and then, of course, Aaron is the other half of that, and he does these with me. Um, basically, just go and follow both of them on on basically X or any of the other social media platforms you have and your podcast platforms uh, and you'll get access to basically as much of that um, content as you like and of course we kind of scratch the surface uh, on on the YouTube channel we kind of just kind of operate as a bit of a shop window for the fantasy football community uh, podcast and then of course uh, Aaron's uh, regular bag as well go and check those out if you want more detail um, I know next to nothing about European football I support Reading so I just I there's no point in me sticking my head above the parapet trying to uh, work out what on earth is going on above of about 15th in League One. So um, if you want more of that detail, then yeah, those places are the places uh, to go. But if you need something that just kind of scratches the surface, then hopefully um, you enjoy this content as well. And uh, as ever, I'm um, always going to be asking you guys, like the video, hit the subscribe button and um, hit the bell notification as well so you don't miss a thing. 
Right, that's the admin out of the way. So let's jump into match day five. 88 points for you, which uh, I'm, which looks good on the surface. I'm, I'm kind of hoping that was above average, but um, it's, it's always hard to tell because the app doesn't actually tell you what the average score was for the game week. So um, yeah, talk us through how uh, match day five was and what it did for your overall rank. Yeah, so I, I took a minus four as well. So that's always a positive. Um, <laughs> not really. But it paid off really, really well because I needed to take that minus four in order to get in Saka, who obviously, as you can see there from my captain, went well. Um, so I guess just going through my, my transfers, first of all. So uh, Vinicius Jr. came out. Uh, he came out for Mbappe, which I've never been so gutted that he scored. <laughs> um, that, that was that was heart-wrenching, but we'll cover that later. Uh, Saka obviously did really, really well. Uh, so Mbappe and Saka were my captains on both days partly because of the minus four, um, which is why I didn't go for Kane. Uh, I did Saka to try and just pay off that minus four. Uh, but as a result, I was, it was meant to be get uh, Bastoni to uh, Rico Lewis. He only got two points, so I'm quite lucky with that. But when I, when I did that transfer initially, I was just looking at it with all the budget I had left, and I'm like, surely there's someone around the five million mark that I can get. So I ended up getting Hummels, who got five points and then got the Player of the Match award. Um, so eight points in total. So, like, I'll take that all day long. Oh, so yeah. even though he didn't keep a, even though he didn't keep a clean sheet, he got eight points. Um, obviously you get points for ball recoveries. So he got eleven ball recoveries, which got me three extra points, plus the Player of the Match. So, uh, that really that that took care of the minus four, and I got plus two points more than what. I mean, Pastoni didn't even appear. So, as you can see on my bench, everybody got zero. <laughs> so that's a that's a net um, win of four points that I got from Hummels, um, and plus I was able to get Saka as a result. So I, it went really, really well. Um, obviously, Bellingham is just—I think he's the best player in the world at the moment. Oh, I, yeah. I, I think a lot of people would agree. I think so. Uh, Cancelo, 14 points as well. Really, really good. Um, everyone else is just kind of in and around the, the normal numbers. But um, yeah, overall, it was it was a good uh, match day. Yeah, it looks, uh, looks particularly good. And the Hummels one as well is, is a nice one to come through, um, as you say, with the sort of decisions uh, that you had to make uh, in defence as well. So yeah, well done on that one. And also, is it nice when your entire bench gets zero in UCL Fantasy, bearing in mind that you do actually obviously have to swap them in and out? In FPL, when they get nothing, at the very least, you didn't, you know, ever... Well, maybe you perhaps maybe did trifle with which one of them would or wouldn't start, but, you know, you obviously haven't had the dynamic of starting them and then taking them off and putting someone else in, so... That that looks like an ideal bench, right? Or would you yeah. rather there were some more options for later? No, no, no. Um, like, it makes me feel like a better manager, <laughs> to be honest. Um, even though I, I, I mean, Asbilicueta didn't even come on, so that was all right. Henriks didn't play at all. Um, Sommer didn't play, which a lot of people had him as their goalkeeper. And Jimenez, zero with his own goal. Um, he scored at the wrong side, um, but he did score. But yeah, um, in terms of my rank, it, it went really, really well. So I think I was about 165,000 on the last episode. Uh, I've went up to 54,500. So that's quite nice. a big rank rise, um, as is expected with kind of so early in the, in the competition. Um, 
and so then it leads me into the dilemma now in terms of what do I do for match day six and everybody's in the same boat. Like I, I, the hardest bit was when I'm getting ready for match day six and I'm like, right, who do I put on here? Literally, obviously we know that fantasy content can be outdated really, really quick. <laughs> yeah. Um, but even more so with match day six, we could listen to the press conferences and it's just, it just changes. Um, so I, 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 these are, I'll kind of, rather than being specific players, I'm going to kind of explain the thinking behind the team. Okay. And hopefully that makes more sense um, in terms of the transfer. And I've got the, obviously my limitless draft, which is an option as well. But I'll explain a bit more about that when we get there. Mm. Yeah, well, yeah, we're going to have a look at the uh, the games that are coming up uh, first and then uh, have a look at your... You have a lot of decisions to make uh, for match day six, not just in terms of players, as you say, but also for that chip as well. In terms of your rank then, so about 54,000, I'm guessing that's that's like a good place to be after match day five. I mean, I suppose we often in FPL sort of give ourselves targets for where we would like to be at Christmas because there's a bit of a, a break after that with the FA Cup coming in. Of course, there is, a, is a, going to be a big break in the Champions League. Once the match day six is out of the way, the last 16, of course, is going to be, I think, in the sort of uh, late February, early March, kind of spring kind of time. So quite a, um, a big gap. Had you set yourself a target for rank bracket at the beginning of the season? Is there a kind of um, goal? Is there a set of goalposts you'd like to aim at for where you'd like to be after the group stage? Because it is, of course, much harder to make big, big ground up. The fewer teams there are left in the competition. Yeah, I always try and aim around the one percent mark. Um, it doesn't tell you how many exact players in the game. It just says over a million. So that could be anything. I think there was like, I think there was over two million once it went into the knockouts. People keep just joining the game. Um, so once it got into the knockouts, I think it went over 2 million last year. So the goal was about 1%. Um, and that's kind of just where whereabouts I want to be. Um, so in terms of at this moment, like historically, like I've done really, really well in the knockouts. Um, and that's normally where I make up the most ground. So even when I've not used both chips in the, in the group stage, uh, I think last season was the first time I did that. Uh, it was my best rank, so I don't know. I'm test. I guess I would want to test that and see if it was a fluke. But <laughs> normally, I would leave like one of my chips for the knockouts just to kind of get out of jail free card in case it all goes wrong and all my all the teams I predicted to win get knocked out. Um, but in terms of of overall rank, like it, it is still really really close. So like if if I go into like some of my mini leagues, people who are 10 points ahead of me there and the they are in the one percent mark so that's how close it is so um if i can just make up 10 points which i've still got my limitless a lot of these people have played their limitless so if i make up 10 points on everybody in my limitless chip i'm looking to get into the one percent mark Nice, clear plan there. And yeah, it's always useful to have a chip in your back pocket after everyone uh, has used it. That's very much uh, talking point in, in FPR as well at the moment. Um, hold on to chips if you can. Let's uh, move on to the fixtures for match day six then. Um, we'll start with the Tuesday night ones. And obviously I usually ask you where, where the key battlegrounds are, but uh, kind of in a similar vein to match day five, it's not just about um, what kind of matchup we have here. It's kind of like who's playing for what you know so like technically man united versus bayern despite the fact that bayern should win that game like eight nil no problem um man united really really need to win that game bayern munich just really don't need to win that game for example so there's there's a few it's it's a very tricky sort of um 
unpredictable road, I suppose, uh, Match Day 6. So, yeah, I'm going to need your guidance to understand the, the, the nature of these games more than ever. So I'll, I'll, I'll go through them in terms of what we've got. So the two earlier games at 5.45pm UK time is Lons versus Sevilla and PSV against Arsenal. That Man United Bayern Munich clash, as mentioned, is 8pm on Tuesday and then Copenhagen versus Galatasaray uh, on at the same time, of course. Then the final four 8pm matches are Napoli against Braga, uh, Union Berlin against Real Madrid, Inter Milan against Real Sociedad, and Salzburg against Benfica. So, yeah, what stands out here? And I suppose, as ever, is there a, um, a clear standout captain who perhaps is more maverick, bearing in mind that Wednesday is the backup? Yeah, um, so I think the first thing to obviously note is that with all the rotation going around, um, Group B is probably where you do want to make your safe transfers. Like if you're, if you have someone who you don't believe is going to play, or you know that are injured, um, the fact that we see definitely who starts for Group B before the deadline, I think has to. If you are looking to just get the points and run, um, even if it is just two or three points, if you just want to get them points and run. Group B is probably it. Um, so you, you definitely have to look at that, at that. Arsenal already through, already top. PSV, so the advantage goes to them. Um, but I think in terms of how the group is, in terms of like head-to-head, it's already sorted. So it is a bit of a nightmare. Like PSV could lose and still go through. Um, but Lons, obviously... That match will come down to head-to-head for Europa League. Sevilla have not been great, but historically they always sneak into third place and then go on to win the Europa League. That's just <laughs> their bread and butter. Yeah. Um, but Lons are playing; they've played really, really well. They're a team that I absolutely wrote off um, going into the Champions League, and and I mean when they beat Arsenal, that says it all. Like. Um, they've they've played really really well, other than the last time they played Arsenal, which was not very good. <laughs> um, but yeah, like that, I think that's really important if you do want to just avoid the rotation headache and just get people that you're not going to play. Th- then the team news is going to be key. Um, obviously, Bayern Munich, Man United is a big one in terms of we probably have Bayern Munich assets. Are they going to be rotated? Are they going to be rested? Or are they going to... So people are saying that they're kind of have got nothing to play for. I don't think that's the German way, to be honest. Um, they have been in this situation before and they have a chance to set... A, I don't know if it's this match or whether it'll be in the next uh, group stage match, but they have a chance to break a record, I think, where wow. they would have been undefeated for 30 consecutive uh, group stage matches. Um which no other team has ever done before. Um, and so they're playing for a bit of pride, like, and the chance to knock out a big name in the group stage and not have to worry about them later in the tournament. Mm. Um, they lost which, at the weekend I, I, as like, well, which is probably so the, the bit yeah, quite heavily. Five, was it 5 1 against Eintracht Frankfurt? 5 1. Yeah. Yeah. So they need to bounce uh, and back. They, and that wasn't even a rotated side either. Like, that was a full strength. Bayern Munich side, so an animal now. <laughs> yeah, um, and, and just like from what we know of Tuchel, like he's not the type of manager. Like Bundesliga will take care of itself. They've got a winter break, 
I think they have the chance to to knock out a, a, a big name, and they'll they'll take it. Harry Kane will want to to take it. Like I think I, I I think they'll be fired up. I don't think it's in their nature to like they might not press with the same intensity, but I still think the quality is there. So I, I, a lot of people are saying, and I know I've got them in one of my drafts, but Man United assets, obviously with everything to play for. I think they they have to play their full strength team, so that is a positive in terms of predicting the lineup. Um, but I think with Group A, other than Bayern Munich, we know that the other three teams are going to play their strongest eleven. So obviously Galatasaray have some good assets as well. Um, I think the biggest question marks after that is Real Madrid. Are they going to rotate? Is Bellingham going to play? I wish I had the answer. I don't at the <laughs> moment. Um, but if Bellingham does play, I think he is a very good captain shout for Group C uh, for the Tuesday, uh, just because he's only finished under ten points uh, once that he's actually played, um, and he got seven still. Like so, <laughs> I think I think that's a great shout, a very safe floor um, in terms of points. And, and then obviously you've got Napoli for, against Braga. I think the winner of that goes through. Um, so I think as long as Braga win by two goals, so Napoli won't want that there, and and it's in Italy, so uh, that'll be an interesting match. And then Real Sociedad Inter for the top spot. I think Real Sociedad are the favourites, and they've got a lot of cheaper assets. Um, if you do need to try and make some budget transfers, Inter are just the absolute trolls of this season and <laughs> just got through this group stage playing a second team. Um when we know they were capable of so much more. So it'll be Real Sociedad were the better team when they played each other the first time around, like comfortably. Inter did a smash and grab. So I think Real Sociedad players, obviously um, Mendes, who I think we all have, he's the top point scorer so far in the tournament. He's injured with a broken arm. So we do need to try and look for an alternative there. Um, But it's going to be like this. We're going to hear a lot of rotation. Uh, but that's that's going to be an absolute key match. Is who want, who finishes top? Because um, Inter and Real Sociedad will not want to play any of the pot one teams in the next round. Yeah, good point. I'd forgotten about that. Another consideration as well, just to try and give yourself a better last sixteen uh, draw as well. May um, perhaps fire some teams up over some others. Um, let's move on to uh, Wednesday then. So we've got Leipzig against Young Boys. We've got Red Star against Man City. Atletico Madrid versus Lazio. Celtic against Feyenoord. Dortmund against Paris Saint-Germain. And then we've got Newcastle versus AC Milan, which is a uh, um, big, big game um, for all sorts of reasons. We've got Porto hosting Shakhtar Donetsk and Antwerp against Barcelona. So as ever, we're looking for more sure captains on Wednesday in case the Tuesday ones don't uh, go so well. We've got the group of death coming to its conclusion. Newcastle coming in off the back of a pretty unfortunate result against Spurs. So, yeah, all sorts of uh, cool um, narratives that we as football fans love going into the Wednesday games as well. Unless, of course, you are a Newcastle fan, in which case you're probably petrified. But, yeah, <laughs> we actually have one of those. Aaron, how are you feeling? <laughs> well, I've got my top on for today. Oh, um, nice. <laughs> so, I think, uh, yeah, I am nervous. I'm, tr- I'm trying to get a ticket of the match as well. And it's, it's, uh, it's, filling me with nerves already but um especially because i think it'll be nice it'll be full circle because ac milan were the team that got me into football so it'll be kind of like a, a good full circle type thing but the nerves oh man yeah it's 
we're a very very tired team um it's i was having a debate the other day where um with dan actually um should Eddie Howe have just accepted the L and just at least rested his starting eleven, like field a completely weakened team, um, and just who knows if they got a result, great, but at least rest in the team. And he's just not done that. He's not. I don't think he like it is that question of is that what's missing from his kind of repertoire to be like an elite manager is just that kind of. Because you can say, yes, we'll focus on the next game, but you have to focus on the next game of each tournament and how you're going to win each one. So I think by playing the exact same starting 11 for five games in a row, and if a majority have played 90 in every single game, uh, Milan are going through an injury crisis themselves. I think it's going it's going to be really, really tough, but the energy... Yeah, St. James's Park has to be absolutely bouncing. Um, but Dortmund, I think every Newcastle fan has just turned into a Dortmund fan as well. We need them to do us a favour. Uh, obviously, from that very controversial penalty that they got in the last minute against us. Um, but gr- obviously, the group of death, none of these positions are secure. This whole table can flip round. Obviously, Dortmund are qualified, so they'll finish first and second. But the other three teams could finish um, second, third, and fourth. I think Paris Saint-Germain can finish first, second, and third. But all the, like it, it just shows how this table can change. It's almost like the last day of the season mm-hmm. um, where you're just watching the table to to see what's happening. So And you're like listening to what's like happening at the other ground. So um, Paris Saint-Germain are not a good away team. I think they... Milan showed that they beat them 2-1. Newcastle showed that they beat them 4-1. Dortmund will want to secure a top spot. They don't want to be playing any uh, any pot one teams, especially if if they know that they're going into the group like they've won the last ever group of death. I think that's a a pub quiz question if there ever <laughs> there was one. Um so it I think in terms of a fantasy perspective though this is going to be a group where everyone plays their strongest team um, that they have available, obviously, injuries uh, permitting. So I think players like Mbappe are safe. Um, some of the Milan players, they, I mean, they are going through an injury crisis. Liao will not be there. And they only have one fit centre-back. Um, they have Teo Hernandez, who's arguably one of the best left-backs in the world, playing at centre-back which massively like neutralizes his threat that he can have. Um, so that helps Newcastle a little bit. Both these teams going through an injury crisis, but we'll, obviously you'll be able to see the t- who who's ruled out on the app. Um, normally it doesn't update until halfway through Monday, So, but I don't recommend making transfers until you see Arsenal's team news anyways. Um, but Group F, they're going to play their strongest eleven. Uh, and then it goes into Group H, which is the next most competitive. Barcelona need to be Antwerp or draw with Antwerp to secure top spot. Um, Barcelona have qualified, but um, it's really interesting with Porto and Shakhtar. If Shakhtar win 
and Barcelona lose somehow to Antwerp, which I don't see happening, but if they do, Shakhtar finish top, um, Barcelona second, Porto third. But if Porto win, it'll finish as it is. So it's really interesting. Like Barcelona's place isn't secure uh, because they lost that game to Shakhtar. Um, so do Barcelona rotate? That is a, a big question mark. They've obviously they've got injuries themselves. But in terms of the other two groups, E and G, I think these are a nightmare. Uh, group <laughs> G is finished. So Man City, we know Haaland is injured. Um, all the drama kind of around that. Yeah. But but Group G's finished. Who knows what team Man City are going to put out? We just don't know. Um, and I, we, I think it's just going to be the youngsters. We're, we're going to get like a Rico Lewis... We're going to get Oscar Bob, cheap players. So if you do need to make a transfer and you just want to see a little bit of a punt on an English team, um, I think you're just going to look for them. Like we don't know who the goalkeeper could be. Edison might get rested. It's just going to be an absolute nightmare. Um, and so it's up to you whether you want to take that risk or or not. Um, Group E, it's Atletico Madrid versus Lazio for top spot. Other than that, it's all sorted. Feyenoord against Celtic is still a really good match. So if you do have a Feyenoord asset, you might still be a good shout. But Atletico Madrid at home, Lazio are not very good away from home. Um, so Atletico Madrid assets might be a good shout as well because they'll field a strong team um, in order to obviously secure top spot. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'd probably back Atletico in that one uh, as well. So yeah, definitely one to uh, to look out for as well. Um to, uh, let's move on to the season ticket just before we get into your team because um, yeah it, obviously it changes with each week but um, we still got some teams in, in green and some teams in, in pink and red um, we are seeing a repeat of match day one here I suppose um, so but obviously things have changed drastically Um I suppose the the problem is with season tickers is that again the difficulty of the fixture doesn't reflect all of the considerations you've just mentioned, <laughs> which makes it very hard to season tick the Champions League. Yeah, uh, no, it depends on what they're doing with the league as well, like how they're doing, who the next match is actually against, um, and so yeah, for a lot of these teams like Man City, for example, they'll want Haaland ready for the Club World Cup, um. And so it's like, why would you risk them in a, a game that doesn't mean anything? Uh, so, yeah, it's a, it is a just that's that's where the absolute madness of match day six comes in because you just don't know what's going to happen. Hmm. Well, currently, um, I suppose without wanting to make it sound like you have, you don't know what you're doing. Um, in theory, you technically don't know what you're doing yet. <laughs> Um, because you you have some decisions to make, and, and you and I guess you're not too sure which route you'll go down ahead of match day six. Um, you could either play your limitless or not play your limitless. And so what I've got on the screen right now is your bus team without have without a limitless. Um, so yeah, um, yeah. Do you want to talk us through this and I guess what the pros are in not playing the limitless now? And yeah, if you could to go for each player uh, for the benefit of the podcast, so if you could just list them out and then they, they can see what your team is and what your plans are if you were to not use the limits. Yes. So in goal, my goalkeepers would stay with Blast Switch in summer, playing on different days, which is key. So if you do make a goalkeeper switch, 
don't have them play on the same day, just so you can rotate. Um, I would still have Cancelo. Uh, there is he is probably going to get rested though. He's someone who I would like to get rid of, but I don't want to take a minus four for that. Um, Henricks would end up staying in. He's not been playing a lot l- lately, which does make him a candidate to play in this match. Hummels against Hakimi. Um, obviously they're both in. Hakimi scored against Dortmund in the first match day. Um, I, I do think his floor is quite low though, but obviously he has sky's the limit for his ceiling. Hummels, I think, is a safe. Like he's only the lowest points he's had was four, and I would take that on a on a Wednesday player because I just need him to outscore a two pointer who I'm subbing off. Um, and then I've got Livramento as as my transfer out for Asbelaqueta, finally out my team. <laughs> it would not surprise me though that Asbelaqueta would start this match, <laughs> um, and gets a clean sheet. Just yeah, just that's just how it goes. But Livramento, he's four point three million. He's played really well, um, and I think a lot of what AC Milan will do will be down the right wing. Uh, it was against um, when Newcastle played them at the San Siro. They, they, a lot of it was down that right wing. I think Chuck Wazy is going to be the right winger. Um, and then potentially Calabria or Florenzi will play on the right as right back. So they're both really good uh, players. So Livermento has a potential for ball recovery points, but he is quicker than all of them. So that gives the, in terms of a counter-attack, obviously I would love to have Trippier, but funds are, are not there. Mm. Midfield, Kimmich stays in the team. I do think that he's pretty solid to to stay in the team, 6.5. Um, and then just with, he'll be on a few set pieces. Um, not necessarily like direct free kicks, but he'll, he'll be the one like crossing it from corners and, and stuff like that. Bellingham is in the team at the moment just because everybody else has him. And he'll probably still get a price rise, so you don't want to take him out to then have to buy him back for more in the round of 16, um, even though you get the extra budget. Saka is in there, and he's just kind of a placeholder at the moment because I don't think he'll play, but I want to have an Arsenal midfielder. So that would potentially just be any Arsenal midfielder who's starting, just so I know. I've got Anthony Gordon. Uh, obviously, he's on a bit of a streak for Newcastle uh, at home. Um, away from fo- uh, home, he's, he hasn't been amazing, but at home, I think he's got like a run of five or six games with an attack and return. So obviously for 5.5 million, that's a great shout. Galino is my transfer in. Um, so he's he got 19 uh, points in match day one. He scored two goals and got an assist. So... At home, I'm looking for him to repeat that. He, he's came back from injury um, and he's straight back into the starting 11 in a game that Porto have to win. And then my strikers just say the same. Mbappe against Dortmund, Jimenez against Celtic, Kane against Man United. Hmm. Yeah, big uh, big front line, especially with Mbappe and, uh, and Kane there for sure. Kane, I think... I kind of feel like Kane's going to relish a trip to Old Trafford. Has it been there in a while? Man United famously linked with him show them what they're missing out by signing Hoyland instead of him. Um, so, yeah, I think that could be um, a good one. So, obviously, this team involves just the two changes. Um, and so, yeah, your considerations for the Limitless, what 
what uh, factors would make you go with this over the Limitless team, which we'll have in a second. Um, I suppose the question really becomes where would you use the Limitless if you don't use it now? And um, do you feel like this team can can cope <laughs> with this week, I suppose, is the question. Yeah, so obviously the expectation for points in match day six isn't very high. So I'd be in the same boat as everybody else. A few factors for me to use my Limitless is the fact that the Limitless, the limitless chip hasn't worked for anybody else like there's not been there's not been one match day where those who have used the limitless has massively paid off so that like kind of like the gap of points has been very similar so i think a lot of people used it in match day two and some people used it uh, kind of match day four or match day five um and a lot of people like the, the points are still very grouped together so in terms of it doesn't work out, I'm I'm in the same boat where the limitless hasn't worked for anybody. If it does work out though, like I said earlier, where match day six, if you get a good score, it's massively separates you from everybody else. Um and so if it pays off, I'm able to just get rid of all of the people who are questionable to play, focus on people who have to play their strongest elevens and not have any budget restrictions in terms of obviously I don't want to just go for all the expensive players. I want the people who I know are going to play. So that's what I think people hate about the chip. If it was just a free hit, I think people would have a lot more success, but the lack of budget restrictions is an absolute, like it just messes your head. <laughs> it's a poison. Chance. So yeah, because when when you start to choose between, say for example, the Bayern Munich wingers, and you've got uh, Sane, who's the most expensive, Nabri, who's 0.5 cheaper, and Coleman, without the budget restrictions, you're like, all right, I'll just go Sane, even though Coleman might be the better option. Mm. So that's that's the the difficulty of it. If it pays off, though, I think the potential is is massive, and if it doesn't pay off, um then I'm in the same boat as everyone else. Another consideration I've got is, according to my team, the Tuesday-Wednesday split is not very friendly. I guess that's just me not really looking ahead. Um, so, but when I've when I've looked at match day six, I end up only having five Tuesday players Um and it's not really spread out. And with match day six, I want to get as many Tuesday players in as I can, or just make it more even, just to avoid the benching headache of um, who do I sub off and who do I not when it comes to the Wednesday players on my bench. Um, and so in terms of how my team is made up, it's, it's, it's not fantastic. So that is another consideration. So... Well, I've stuck your limitless team on the screen now as your limitless draft, I should say, where you, uh, in theory, could uh, address uh, some of the issues you've mentioned there. Um, for, <laughs> frustratingly, uh, it doesn't <laughs> show you the prices because, of course, the price is irrelevant. It just gives you the date of their fixture or, or in terms of the screenshot from the app. But um, yeah. Yeah, um, I, I, I switched that. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I switched that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, you, you can switch like the 
like the price, like the date and stuff like that. So um, I thought I was going to be clever in, <laughs> in doing that to show when people play. No, but that's, but, that's um, useful. But if the thing is, with it being a limitless chip, obviously the cost doesn't matter anyway. So it, 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 is, it is the most useful way for display. I do apologize for the comment. Don't worry. You've, <laughs> you've, not, put a, you've not put a foot wrong. Um, talk us through, so, if you could list it, list it through for the podcast listeners. And then, yeah, talk us through sort of some decisions. Yeah, so the full team, um, its value is 112.6 million. Um, nice. So Ramsdale as the goalkeeper. Obviously, I'll get to see if it's going to be Ramsdale or Rhea. Uh, but I don't know why. I, I, I just, I probably need a bit more time to know the Tuesday goalkeeper. But that was just kind of like a, I, th- I do think PSV will score. So I don't think that is... Uh, I don't think it's going to be another 5-0 performance. Uh, All Black was the other one. Um, just because Lazio are not a great uh, away team. And Asbilicueta has just had my life. He's just been absolutely <laughs> laughing at me. So All Black is the most expensive Atletico Madrid player. But he, with a limitless, I don't, I don't mind. And I, he's more likely to play than me having to try and guess... Out of, I think they've got eight centre backs in their squad. I don't know which three are going to play. Um, then in terms of my defence, uh, Teo Hernandez, um, I had him just because if Giroud ends up getting subbed off, Teo Hernandez is on penalties, um, even though he's at centre back. So I think his ball recovery is there. And if they have to change stuff round, he will go back to left back. Um, and I think the battle between him and Trippier, it will be really interesting. I've got Trippier as well, um, just because set pieces, he's really good with the ball recovery points. And he, because of what he does, he's really good for player of the match. Um, Hakimi Hummels stay in there. Um, Di Lorenzo makes it in, though, as a Tuesday defender. My midfield is normally where I've oh well is where I've got a lot of the Tuesday players. So Galino's still in there. Saka's there, but just kind of any insert any Arsenal midfielder there. Bellingham's still in there. Um as the captaincy shout. I've got Bruno Fernandez in there. Um which on my podcast I was like, I do not like that idea, but I just don't think I wanted to give Dan the satisfaction. <laughs> um but if Man United are to win, Bruno Fernandes will have to have a good match. And if he doesn't, I just sub him out. Um, he's on penalties um, and all the set pieces. And he, if he does well, he's the prime candidate for player of the match, isn't he? So um, I think his ceiling for points is really high. And then I've got Zaha just because he's also a good shout. He might be injured, though. Um, so we've just got to keep an eye on that one. Strikers, Mbappe, and the other two are Griezmann and Ossiman. So Ossiman is back. He played a full 90 minutes. Um, he might be an early uh, rotate, like substitution risk, but I do think that um, Napoli have to win. Um, and so it's at home against Braga, and I, I think Ossiman could grab a goal. Uh, just to get his minutes back and his feet back. Um, but I do think he'll probably be subbed off for uh, some of the other players there. 
uh, and Griezmann, Atletico Madrid have to win and they're in good form. So that one is a bit of a, because I'm on Limitless, I'm going Griezmann over Morata, even though Morata, you could argue, is in the better form. So that one might be a poison chalice. <laughs> Another one we spend too much money because just because you can. <laughs> pretty much, pretty yeah. much. Well, I mean, it certainly looks like a, an exciting team. I suppose my final question on this is, is there anything that you're expecting uh, that, that, or perhaps don't information you don't have yet? Of course, press conferences will be happening across the next couple of days uh, and people might be listening to this before or after those have happened. But is, is there anything else that you're sort of waiting on that would help tip the balance one way or the other between these two different teams? Because they're two very different approaches um, and, and both could be successful, both could be the the wrong move. Uh, who knows? So yeah, is there anything else that you you feel like might, you know, be a light bulb moment in your mind between now and the deadline to help you make a decision? Um, I think a lot of it is going to come down to whether Saka starts or not. Um, I think what's going to happen is I'm going to see the team news. If Saka starts, I potentially am more inclined to not use the limitless. And I think you asked earlier when I would use it instead. I'd probably use it in the round of 16 second leg as that's when the kind of more uh, worst teams are still left in the tournament. Um, and I kind of know the permutations in terms of who needs to get what, which ties are already sorted and which ones aren't. Because they can still rotate in that second leg round of 16. So I'd potentially use it then if I if I didn't use it now. But if I see Saka starting, I potentially use it um, here. And that's what I um, I potentially not use it and just try and ride it out with my team. If Saka, I see, is getting rested, which I do think is more likely, I think I'm just going to try in a limitless just because I'd be left. Saka's too expensive to just be sitting on the bench, not playing at all. Um, and yeah, I'd probably limitless then. Okay, yeah, so certainly uh, some things that can help you make a decision. And it's nice that the team news might actually uh, be impactful uh, <laughs> for something because then it sort of uh, rewards you for making sure that you uh, make your decisions at the right time. So, yeah, we'll see what happens there. And, yeah, um, of course, uh, as we said at the beginning, it's very much a farewell uh, to the group stages for this year, but also in their current format. So, um, yeah, sad times. Um, but, hey, we move on. Such as football in the modern era, everything is in flux. Um of course, uh, the, the Champions League will be back in the new year. Uh, and so if you've enjoyed uh, these videos, and of course, we'll, um, you know, make sure you hit the like button and uh, subscribe and hit the bell notification, etc., so that you guys know when we're back with these videos. Uh, the same also goes for the two podcasts that we always uh, um, are kind of acting as a shop window for, at Fantasy UCL Pod uh, for the Fantasy Football Community uh, Edition and at UCL Fantasy Pod for Aaron and Dan. Um, there's a sliding scale of detail. You're going to get loads more detail with Dan and Aaron than you will with this Reading fan who doesn't watch nearly enough European football. So uh, make sure you check those out. Um, uh, also, uh, Fantasy Football Scout membership is also still available. Um, it's kind of useful for the Premier League teams when you're doing fan uh, UCL Fantasy, but I'm imagining most of you watching probably also play FPL, so make sure you sign up for that. You can still get 20% uh, off. That's all the housekeeping I have to do, Aaron, unless there's anything you'd like to add before we let everybody go? No, just best of luck and whatever your score is in match day six, everybody will be in a very similar boat and in the knockouts you can still make up a lot of ground yeah absolutely it's uh always going to be uh, there's always going to be more opportunities for some good fun with champions league in the new year so hopefully uh, it continues to be fun uh, when we get to that stage of the competition well with that we shall leave you fine folks to the rest of your preparations either for match day six of the ucl fantasy or game week 17 of fpl and we will see you next time
Goodbye.